You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Sometimes we just have to look at different ways of doing things, you know, and, and really just change the tape because we've been working in this way for some time. And I personally think the pandemic has just highlighted it. But work was essentially broken before the pandemic. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you listening in today. Today's guest, we had a, a brilliant conversation. We could have talked for hours probably. We covered lots of different topics like engagement and belonging, putting people first and performance management. So my guest today is Gillian French. She's the expert in residence. I absolutely love that title. <laughs> for employee experience at Work Vivo. She is passionate about helping organisations to create sustainable cultures where people can flourish and be themselves. And I think that's something that's really key and really comes through from our conversation today. She has worked in various startups through the years and she established operations over the past 25 years. She has served as the CPO, which is the Chief People Officer for more than 10 years. She's a qualified HR strategist, organisational behaviourist and executive coach. She loves everything to do with HR and everything people related as well. As I mentioned, she's currently working with Work Vivo as their expert in residence for employee experience, and it enables her to fulfill her mission of improving the global employee experience. I know you're going to absolutely love the conversation today. Do stay tuned for the end when I will do a wrap up of some of the key points that were made during the conversation. As always, I would love for you to get involved in the conversation over on social media. My main two places where I like to hang out, if that's <laughs> if that's appropriate, um, would be LinkedIn. So connect with me there, Aoife O'Brien. That's A O I F E O apostrophe B R I E N. You should find me easily enough if you put in a search into that or search for Happier at Work. And I also use Instagram, which is happieratwork.ie, the same as the website. So looking forward to connecting with you over there. Welcome, Gillian, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you as my guest today. So would you like to introduce yourself to listeners, tell them a little bit about what you stand for, what your background is and what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. So my name is Gillian French. Um, I am currently working for WorkVivo, which is an employee um, experience uh, app. It actually just uh, came out at number one in the G2 for employee app. So super excited. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's such a lovely place to work. Um, and prior to that, I was Chief People Officer of Cubic Telecom and Chief People Officer of Car Trawler. Um, both uh, global Irish businesses, which is great with two great success stories, you know, yeah. and I spent it nearly close on 13 years in car trawler and three years with Cubic. So yeah. um, I've spent a lot of my time in sort of growing, scaling technology businesses. Yeah. Um, and then prior to that, I feel like I'm a granny, but uh, I was in hotels for seven to eight years. I worked for the Jury Doyle group um, oh, yeah, yeah, way yeah. back when. Yeah. So uh, totally loved it. Highly recommend any young people to go into hotels. You'll learn a lot, you work hard, but uh, I really enjoyed my time there. So, um, so yeah, hotel background, 
scaling technology businesses and now I'm working with Workvivo, uh, which is great because I get yeah. to do all this stuff as in podcasts and articles. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Really so interesting. But I mean, a really mm. solid background in terms of people development, especially in scaling. And mm. and it's great that you're in Irish businesses as well. You mm. know, it's really mm. kind of, mm. Um, mm. I think it really stands to you. So mm. in terms of the conversation today, then we're saying we would t- have a chat about engagement and belonging. And maybe we start with this idea of like, you know, we kind of touched on it before we started recording this idea of belonging. What does belonging actually mean to you? Like, how would you describe that? think belonging for me uh, personally is that you can be your true self, that you don't have to be um, putting a mask on or being something that you're not. Like sometimes you go into company cultures and you're looking around to see what do I have to do here to get on? What do I have to be? And if you have to be something different than you are, that becomes exhausting and it becomes tiring. And and even for others to look around, we're all behaving in the same way. I mean, how boring, you know, Um, but you do see that you see in organizations, there's terminology like, oh, professionalism or that's the professional way you do things or this is how you should dress, Mm. you know, even in our profession, like as in HR. I think nearly it's like, you know, you wear navy, you wear tan shoes, you you know, there's this whole piece that if you're in, you have to conform. It's like and the persona or something. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. And I've done it and I, I've taken it on. But, you know, it's really when you're yourself and can be your true self. And like I can be a little bit of reverence sometimes and a little bit. Yeah. Not wild, but, you know, I'm not. uh, But I spent a lot of my younger years trying to contain that. And I'm quite creative and I'm quite different to probably what was required at times. And I think it's really important that you can bring your true self and bring your strengths to the workplace. So I love being around people. I get my energy from people. I don't mind if there's a situation and it's complicated with people. And but what I found was I was good at that and people recognized that, but then they tried to push me to be something I wasn't, which is in data all day and doing Excel sheets and decks for boards. And of course, that's a requirement when you're C-suite, but keep pushing people to things that they're not naturally or innately good at. And I do see that organizations do that, whereas they should really capitalize on what people love, what they get their energy from and being their true selves. Yeah. Well, you won't get any arguments from me. I mean, my whole ethos is around being happier at work. And interestingly, the research I, you know, people who've listened to the podcast for a while will probably have heard me talking about this a lot. The research I did as part of my master's dissertation was all about this concept of fit, which I kind of, I tend to use it interchangeably with belonging. I know not everyone does. Some people think like fit is like you have to mould yourself into this, Mm. um, you know, but that's what kind of what it's called in the academic literature, at least. Um, is this, you know, culture fit or organisational fit? And it's for me, it was this concept of values and and having your values be aligned with the values of the organisation so that you didn't have to be someone else. You didn't have to pretend to be someone else and using then your strengths and being able to match your strengths with the role that you're doing. Mm. You're talking about spreadsheets and data and, st- you know, that's me. That's where I light up. That's where I yeah. like come alive. I love all of that stuff and I would happily sit, you know, I would. Yeah. I do like spending time with people as well, but I would happily sit there and just crunch through numbers for an afternoon no problem whatsoever but wouldn't it be amazing if we worked together and we were co-leaders and we you know shared a leadership position and I did the bit you don't like and you do the bit that I don't like and you know that's exactly it and I think that's how work should be 
Mm. Um, it was interesting as well what you said, Gillian, about this idea of that you you go into an environment and everyone's sort of behaving in the same way mm. when actually we tend to be influenced by the environment itself. And that's why we sometimes can change and we change ourselves to fit in in that environment. Mm. But also we can influence that environment as well. So it's kind of a symbiotic relationship almost where we're going into this situation and we're influencing it and it's influencing us as well. Mm. I just find it also so, so interesting because I felt I've been in those situations myself where I'm like, I definitely don't belong here. This is not, I'm not working mm-hmm. to my strengths. I, I'm, I don't see myself as the same as these other people who are around me, you know. Mm. And it's it's then detrimental. It's detrimental to your health, personally, yeah. I believe, you know, because you start not feeling yourself and not feeling well because you're trying to put a mask on and you're, you know, the fight or flight is probably up because you're just not feeling it, you know, and your energy. And then your energy is impacting other people's energy, you know, yeah. and And I think energy is, um, you know, such an important thing when you walk in as a leader, if you're coming into the workplace, keeping an eye on your energy and what you're actually presenting in the business is really important. And I know that might sound a bit fluffy, but I can see in a few years time that people not taking legal action, but there will be, you know, the impact that you have on others and how you affect others around you. Like all of us know when you're in an office and someone comes in and they're slapping the, you know, the briefcase down on the tent, they open the laptop and they're like, you know, and the whole mood of the team changes, you know. Yes, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. And particularly if it's a leader, it's even a bigger impact where people Mm. are like all scared and sitting there, you know. Um, And I think in this remote environment as well, um, any sort of interactions are heightened as well. Yeah. We need to be very mindful of the impact we have on others. And if you're not happy and you're not being your true self and work, you know, I can nearly from dealing with people over the years, I can see them change. You know, they start in the job and they look great and then they start getting this look on their face. You know, they just there is a particular type of look that they have. They look worn out and kind of just not themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and and some people then stay because they're like, oh, I need to do two years here because I can't have a jumper on my CV or I need to do whatever. And they don't make the decision to move. And then they, you know, impact on everyone else in the team. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, I was just going to say, there's a few things to unpack really in what you're saying there. This idea that, um, you know, that, that you don't really have a choice, that you're feeling stuck. But but I'm also curious to know your thoughts on like what changes. So no one starts out in a role to do a crappy job. Let's face it, like you start out and you want to bring your best self. You want to work to your strengths. You want to do a good job. You want to impress the bosses, all of this. So what do you think changes along the way to, to make someone just kind of be like, oh, I'm not really, I don't really care that much anymore? People are precious. And I think we've forgotten that people are precious. And I don't mean that's not as in we have to value our people. They are, you know, they are they are a precious asset and we bring them in and we court them and we look after them and we want them in and they come in. And then in about six months, we start things and silly things like, oh, you know, they're looking for a pair, they're looking for this. And out of two or three conversations, you can really damage a relationship and have yeah. somebody seriously disengaged, you know? Mm, and yeah. I see it so often with people and, you know, around leadership tables. Oh, they think now they can get, you know, this, that and the other and they're after maybe doing X, Y and Z. And, and you just in order to kind of win an argument or do something they say and and hurt the person or or also 
they have great people that do great work for them. And then when the chips are down and say a person, something happens to them and they need the organization to help them out for a period of time, you know, they sort of then back off and, and why are they not performing and they're not performing? They haven't performed for the last two months. And you're like, well, I think their mother died there last two months and then they had COVID and, yeah. and the, you know, it becomes all about the performance and they haven't been performing. And all of those things just really damage. And people say, well, you know what? I'm just a number here and, you know, I'm going to behave like a number. Yeah. So I think we have to, as leaders and people within organizations, our people are our number one asset and we have to wrap yeah. our hands around them. Mm. And that's not to say like precious in the other sense where they're like, oh, you know, I'm so precious. You can't ask me to work and, you know, <laughs> not go too extreme because the work has to be done. Yeah. But what I find is that the most engaged people and the most dedicated people, you know, it just takes one or two things to disengage them because they're giving their all. They're they're doing the extra stuff in the evening. They're doing that. And you probably don't even know and the organization doesn't even know they're doing it. And then once they're hurt once or twice, that's it. They'll they'll pull back and it'll take a long time to get it back if you even do get it back. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a really interesting point, actually, that and I've been in, you know, they're definitely on the receiving end. I was going to say, have I been on the giving end? I, I would hope not, but it, it it could be the case that I have as well as a leader, you know, that I've mm. kind of had those difficult conversations that didn't go so well and, and disengage someone. But certainly I've been on the receiving end um, of those things where I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't feel like they really care. I don't feel like I'm a number. The loyalty seems mm. to go one way. I'm putting in all these extra hours, but I'm not getting recognised for it in terms of pay, in terms of promotions, in terms of just a thank you or recognition within the team mm. or whatever it might be. Um, so it's it's really interesting that like people can be highly engaged and then they just realize. But what would you say are the steps that people, sorry, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was just going to, when you said there, I was like, the other thing I see as well is that highly engaged people are real givers and doers and they go that extra mile and they keep going that extra mile and you need to keep an eye because they get burnt out quite quickly if they're giving, you know, the people that are in and they're, they're constantly putting their hand up for projects. You could nearly in an organization spot them. Hmm. They're so dedicated to the organization. And what happens as well then is they're giving so much and they are so reliable that when something happens as well, emotionally, they're not able to deal with it because they are kind of worn out. They're like, she's not missing that time with my kids. You know, this is going on at home. And they've kind of run down the battery on themselves to be resilient enough to sort of say, well, oh, that was just so-and-so being silly and what they said and you know, actually, I do know I'm valued and they gave me they can't rationally because they are actually worn out as well. And I yeah. think you're seeing that with a lot of the burnout now at the moment where people are just not out. They can't think straight. They're worn yeah. out. Um, and is that a, about proactively managing that in advance of people getting worn out and burnt out? Yeah. So like, mm. you know, reminding them that it's OK to take a break, to take some mm. time out in the middle of the day. Um, you know, if they need to get some fresh air, if they need to step away from the laptop for an hour or two, if they, you know, and reminding them to switch off in the evenings as well. I know, like certainly for me running my own business, the laptop is there in the evening and the temptation, you know, I might be on, I might be watching Netflix, but the laptop can be out because mm-hmm. it's it's right there. It's sitting and it's looking at me. It's in front of me, you know, mm-hmm. and I imagine that's it's the same for everyone. 
I've been there and we do have an epidemic of workaholism mm. and people are on all the time. And of course, you get a pat on the back or you get the emails down or your inbox up at the top and now you have it down and it's all cleared off. But if you keep doing that, you're setting the pace of your own workload. So people are yeah. like, oh, she's getting through everything. She's answering emails at 11 o'clock at night. So I'll send her another one at 10 past 11. So it's really important, I think, for leaders and employees to set boundaries, because if you don't set boundaries, well, then things are going to break down and, you know, there's going to be problems. Uh, But we do have an issue around workaholism and this sort of culture of, you know, working like I was actually watching that documentary. I don't know if you saw it on Netflix, you know what, Anna? um, Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, Yeah, it was so good. I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Inventing Anna. Yeah. And I loved it. But the thing that struck me was when the journalist was going into labor and her waters broke and she was sitting in the thing and then she stood stood up. Yeah. And she was still writing and she went in exhausted delivering the baby. But everyone was clapping her as if that's, you know, where is that? (laughs) That should not happen, you know, like bringing a baby into the world and we should be not applauding that behavior. We should be supporting and should be off 10 weeks before she's having the baby, you know, and nice and relaxed and ready to be in that role. Um, But I think we do kind of applaud that um, working in that way. um, But then we're totally burnt out and worn out from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So maybe another couple of interesting points based on what you said. I love this idea of like we're setting the pace of our own workload. And I'm a big believer that leaders need to role model that type of behaviour. So they should not be sending emails at you know, at 11 o'clock at night, because that's sending the message that that's what the expectation mm. in the organisation is and that that's what's acceptable. Mm. Is is it something around, um, and this might be a little controversial as well, like this idea of productivity, we're always talking about productivity. Now, my view on productivity is focusing on the stuff that's really important for the organisation to move the dial rather than the busy work that tends to happen a lot of the time, you know, attending meetings that, and you know, let's face it, maybe there's meetings there that you don't really need to be at. You don't need to actually be in those meetings, um, you know, and and is that what it's about then that we're we're it's like um, we want to get so much done all the time and there's a lot of pressure to get stuff done, but maybe it's about stepping back and focusing on what's really, really important and getting those things done rather than worrying about all of the busy work. Totally. I think everybody, you know, firstly, no one's good at prioritising. I've seen it in the corporate world, like no one can prioritise and people are obsessed with having meetings and even more so now that we're remote, but <laughs> yeah. it's an absolute nightmare. Um, but Really, we have to get as leaders like that should be the one number one, you know, capability or skill set that every leader should have that they can prioritize appropriately for their team. So I worked in Cardoller for five days a week and then I went to Cubic. um, And when I was starting Cubic, I I said to the CEO and I was saying to me, I don't know how you hired me because I said, I'll be in at X time. I have to leave at 4.30 to collect the children. I'm only doing four days a week. And, you know, and I put in really strong boundaries at the start and I know for sure I was absolutely more productive in that role because I was very focused. I wanted to make sure that no one said, oh, she's only doing four days, you know, look at her leaving there and half more. I wanted to make sure, you know, the work was good. So I really was, you know, this was anal about what I was doing, when I was doing and what type of work, you know, was the most value add. And and it worked. It it worked really, really well for a very long time. And then when the pandemic happened, obviously being at home and and the crisis itself, those boundaries waned a little bit. But yeah. when I had them in place, I was the most effective 
you know, because I was getting time with the kids. I was having lovely rests and breaks and really enjoying my weekend, my three day weekend, setting up the house properly. And and there's lots of studies. I do work with um, another company called the Dialogue Code on the four day week. And there's a load of research to show. And one of the piloting companies um, that did the four day week, they basically put it to the team, the staff, and they said, look, we can do four days a week. Um, we need you to figure it out yourselves. We obviously need to adhere to the customer requirements. Then we need to, you know, service the business and not yeah. drop in productivity. So the teams came together. They dropped every meeting that made no sense. They fixed processes that were broken because they were all in it. Their, their pay wasn't going to be cut and they were all going to have the value of having a four day week. Yeah. And it worked for everybody because some people said, oh, well, what if you're later in your career and you don't have kids? You might like the five days. But older people who were closer to retirement got to spend time with their grandchildren and got to do nice weekends away with their partners. Mm. You know, people who had kids obviously had more time to spend with their children and do. And everyone was well-being was way up and productivity did not drop and there was no issue with it. And if anything, it actually increased. So. I mean, there's just I think sometimes we just have to look at different ways of doing things, um, you know, and, and really just change the tape um, because we've been working in this way for some time. And I personally think the pandemic has just highlighted it. Um, but work was essentially broken before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge believer in the four day week. Actually, I had um, Andrew Barnes, who's the he's the global architect of the four day week. Wow. I had him on the podcast yeah. twice. Yeah. Uh, the second time was was with his partner, Charlotte, talking all about the four day week. First of all, firstly, before from the New pandemic. Zealand or Canada, yeah. they're from New Zealand. Yeah, they're yeah. lovely. I must actually listen to that one. I haven't listened to that one. I'll listen to that. That's Do great. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week, yeah. The first one was pre-pandemic and the second one was during the mm. pandemic so it was quite interesting I also interviewed uh, Lassa Reingans about the five hour day so that's kind of taken those reduced hours but spreading them across the entire week so you're working the five days but you're mm-hmm. only doing five hours a day mm. so I'm a huge believer in this and it, the fact that it can actually be done but mm. it's like you say about putting it to the people and challenging them and seeing well what can they do what meetings can they take out how do they define productivity what does success look like in their role and really kind of giving the responsibility and ownership back to them. So, yeah, it's so, so important, I think, to do that. I'm actually reading the book Reinventing Organisations. I was just looking, I can't remember um, the the uh, author's name, but he's Reinventing Organisations. And, you know, he talks about the fact that when there's leaps in humankind, like they're leaps, they're not small changes. And I think that's where we are with work. And I think, you know, we're going to move to the four day week. There's going to be totally different roles like co-leadership, performance management is going to be thrown out, operating, you know, um, organizations not being operated by fear, people first organizations rather than profit first. And I think this big leap is going to happen. And like every leap within humankind uh, some people jump straight away and some are pulled through kicking and screaming but I think the organisations <laughs> yeah. yeah but I think the organisations that don't and that have taken the pandemic but they are now still trying to drag people back into the office old policies old ways and think that they can operate in that way will be in big trouble yeah no mm. it's like I so agree and I think this is the way work was going pre-pandemic but the pandemic has given us the opportunity and it's, it's accelerated these trends in my view I love what you're saying about people either being 
you know, they're either going to go through it and embrace it and like, this is what I've been waiting for, or they're going to get dragged through kicking and Mm -hmm. screaming. Mm -hmm. I suppose my concern or, or maybe something worth talking about is who are those people who are not really embracing these types of changes? These like this is really going to benefit everyone from what I can see. Who are the people who are not kind of getting on board with it? One would think, but I have had I do a little bit of coaching as well. And I have had people that have had CEOs say to them that, you know, work is number one, family and sort of social life is all on the outskirts, but your job is number one. So you need to be in your job, you know, five days a week in the office and that's where your work because if you don't have your work you know you have nothing else and once all the people back in the office and operating where they can see them and and there I'm definitely know there's um lots of organizations that have said they want all their people back in no flexibility and you find that hard to believe um in this day and age but yeah I know, you know, <laughs> I know. And, and maybe there are organizations that can't operate and they do need their people in and maybe they didn't make any money in lockdown. And that's fair enough, like restaurants, mm. hotels, you know. Oh, and, there's some there's some yeah, roles that you certainly that you can't yeah. do remotely. But no. for one, the ones that you can, I think the opportunity is here. And I, I was actually speaking yesterday on um, um, a webinar on health and safety and remote working Mm. and what that means. So more from the HR perspective, from the psychological well-being of employees. And that is, you know, we were kind of talking about this idea of if something not everyone is suited to working from home no. you know you might not have a good setup you might not you might want to work from home because you have the flexibility and you don't want to do the commute but equally maybe you're not great at working from home you're not disciplined you get distracted or you're lonely or you need people to talk to to bounce ideas off you're not you're not feeling energized because you're not around other people whatever it might be mm. but it's about finding that balance i suppose and recognizing that it's not for everyone and and doing what's best for the individual Yeah. And I mean, that's again, sitting down with the individual, sitting down Mm. with the team, working with the team. I think these days of casting down from heaven about policies and what (laughs) you're going to do just doesn't work. And actually great ideas come out of having lots of people. So you have to be inclusive. You have to sit down and say, hey, look, this is how we are. This is the the lay of the land, you know, because people don't. If you're in isolation yourself constantly, you only think. And even I find it, you know, forgetting ideas now that I'm out and chatting to people, the amount of different perspectives I'm getting on the lockdown and, and how it affected different people and everything that I would have never known because I'm here with John and the kids and my mom yeah. and they're the kind of people that I talk to. But you get such a different view. Yeah. But I think you have to sit down is the job itself. Like, I mean, an office manager doesn't make much sense to be at home, but yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah, a software yeah. developer, certainly two to three yeah. days at home, but then mm. in with the team and out for team lunches. And look, I'm highly extroverted and it is easy you know I get up in the morning I come up to the attic you know you have your cup of coffee you have your little routine it's like your habit you know and then you have your cup of tea at maybe half ten and uh, then you have your lunch and put on three washes (laughs) but (laughs) but you get into that and you think that's but now I've gone into um, an office with with Work Viva that I'm working with in Dublin and it's wonderful to go in and have lunch and have a great laugh at lunchtime and you know even just hearing people's stories and what they're doing and ideas and you know I learned about new restaurants in Dublin and like it just you can't put a price on that and it's so important and Mm. I came home and even my husband, John, said, oh, you'd easy know you were in the office today because I was in great form. It gave me yeah. great energy to be around people. 
Um, so I think, yes, and even for people that maybe don't get their energy from people, I still think it's really important to go in because right that I think sometimes with the pandemic and social media and the way we have been a little bit over the past five to 10 years is there's a lot of stuff that's focusing us just on us. So, you know, it works for me. I can collect my kids. I go up to the attic and it's grand. And it suits me. But I do have a duty of care to the next generation. I'm not where I am today just because of me. Loads Mm. of leaders over the years took time to look after me. And therefore, I have to do the same. I have to go into the office and pass it on. And there'll be graduates going in who are looking to meet people and go out and have the life that I had that I loved in my 20s. And I think the whole intergenerational sharing of experience and keeping people young and vice versa with experience is really, really important. And I think we can't just think of ourselves. We have to think about a kind of a duty of care to others as well and not just go, well, that suits me, Grand. I'm at home now. And that's that's the end of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really interesting. And I in all of any tests I take, I always come out as Mm. introvert and and it surprises Mm. people because I'm quite social. I'm one of those kind of social introverts. But I that is something I really do miss from the pandemic is being able to interact with other people in an office in that kind yeah. of setting. Like it, it does make such mm-hmm. a difference. It does give me energy, you know, so it's it's it is really important. I'd love to come back to this idea now of um, so like, say, if it's an individual and they're choosing, they're making these choices about where they want to work and, and mm-hmm. their current organisation is sort of forcing them back into the office saying you you have to be back in here. You can't be working at home anymore. But I suppose I want to get the point across that people always have a choice and there are so many organisations out there that are offering flexibility, that Mm. are offering remote working opportunities, all of that kind of stuff. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit around that and and get your views on, on, you know, what, what you think about those kind of opportunities where people feel like they're a bit stuck and they have to they have to stay where they are? I think as humans, we always have to have choice. I think that is most important and people will have choice, you know, so it is an employee's market at the moment and people have done it for so long. So work, of course, for roles again, where it's front of house, it's front facing and all that. You need people there. You have to be there. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, Um, But for roles that during the pandemic, people worked really, really hard and did their work. And I think organizations have to have an understanding that people are traumatized after the pandemic. You know, yeah. it's not something um, I was again talking to when I went into the office for Work Vivo. I was chatting to one of the lads and he said he'd worked in another company and a few of them went out for a drink. And he said, lads that were really extroverted and great fun and quiet, you know, life and soul, the party were really, really quiet and not themselves at all. Wow. So I think you have to understand that some people are have been affected. None of us know mm. what went on for some people or what they were put through through yeah. the pandemic. Mm. So I think it's wrong to ever just do a blanket thing and say, oh, everyone can work forever they like or everyone has to come into the office or yeah. like that's the thing with people. And when I did hate door back when, you know, I was a kid, I, that's the one thing I came out of college with going, Jill, one size does not fit all. Everybody's different. You're never going to implement something that everyone goes, that's brilliant. You know, everybody is different. So sitting down with people and getting their perspective and really listening. And that's why you need empathetic leaders now Mm -hmm. that can actually step into someone's shoes 
where they mightn't be ready to come back now. They might still be not okay um, during the pandemic and they may not want to come back. And it's a role that maybe does require them to come in two days a week, but it's about sitting down and maybe mapping something out with them in a collaborative way to say, how can we get to that point or what works for you or a half day coming in, meeting the team and start yourself off gently. Yeah. But again, we have a duty of care. We, you know, sometimes I think people just go, oh, well, they were performing last week and now three weeks of non-performance, right? You know, put them on a pip, do that. You know, we're too, we're just, we have no patience and people are, people are just different, you know? And you have to mind your people and look after Mm. them and they will. Like we're only human, we're not machines. And and even machines do break down, by the way, because I just had a dishwasher (laughs) that broke down and, you know, I'm heartbroken. Now now you're the dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah, don't talk to me. That's probably why I'm up here talking to you. I'll stay in the attic for a while till my husband gets them done. Um, But we're not, we're not machines and machines do break down. But, you know, people are, and and you shouldn't just give up on a person and and we shouldn't corporate or be that it's, you know, it's not professional and we have to get someone to do this job and and be so cold about it because that's where the engagement falls off then. When I was really down, I had to kind of push myself back up because I knew I was going to be disposable. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of points I'd love to to kind of bring up. Mm. Uh, this idea you mentioned about performance management is going to go out the window and you were saying there a second ago about, oh, yeah, well, he hasn't performed for three weeks. Let's get him on a pip. Um, I mean, that's my view as well. I think performance management is is we're not going to have that in the future. It's going to mm. be so different. Mm. What what are your thoughts on what's that going to, you know, what's that going to look like and how will we manage performance if we don't have performance management? Well, I think it's, it's it's something different. And the way I would see it, and I think in an ideal would be PBAs. So, you know, it's the same. My son, he comes home, he got something in an exam and he's looking at someone else and he's like, they got this. And I'm like, don't look at that. You got yeah. this. So mm-hmm. let's go for maybe five or 6% more next time, you know? Yeah. And without fail, he does and he's delighted with himself. And it might be still a good bit less than some of the top performers in the class, but he's getting better and he's delighted with himself and he's improving. And, you know, even on any teams of the top elite teams that you see out there, there's few top performers, but everyone plays their role in the team and everyone can't be, um, you know, top, top performer. There's always going to be someone better than you. That's what my mother always says to me anyway. Um, so why do that to people? Why pit them against each other? Why make mm. it competitive? Because competition really just means that a couple of people win and yeah. the majority don't win. And that's really not a nice environment. And I think that's what we've done for a long period of time as well. And I think it's key reason why we don't have many people happy in our workplaces because we're pitting them against each other. Yeah, yeah. So, you're constantly comparing people to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is it about then knowing and like this is something I think that certainly in when I worked in corporate it wasn't something that we necessarily talked about but but knowing each other's strengths, knowing what each other is good at and playing to each other's strengths and working as a team. So as we were saying at the start, Gillian, mm. you know, if you're if you're great at doing the big picture stuff, not necessarily the down into the the details and the spreadsheets and the data, like which is what I would be happy doing. And we work together. It's, it, is that kind of what you see is more the future? That's what's going to happen. Absolutely. Like stop trying to make people something they're not, because what yeah. happens then is they, you know, like, 
you and I doing an Excel spreadsheet, you'll probably have it done in 20 minutes. It'll take mm. me about two hours. I'll be exhausted yeah. after it. It won't be as good as yours, you know, and, and, and I'm just saying it's for a waste thing. of your time. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's, you know, that's not the way I'm doing. And plus, I wasn't hired for that. If you're like, say, hired as chief people officers to look after people, make sure they're OK, checking in yeah. with them, you know. And it requires a different skill set. So why do that? Why try and push people constantly over to an area that they're not winning it? And it was actually um, when I was at an offsite for Work Vivo and it was just revolutionary because the CEO just turned around and said, oh, well, don't get so-and-so to do that because they don't like that. So get Tommy or whatever the guy's name was Mm. to do that and let them do X. And I was like, oh, my God, amazing. Very refreshing. Oh, so refreshing. Like there's just (laughs) no, no. They're like they don't like that so we'll move them on to that you know and, yeah and there's no and therefore that person doesn't feel inadequate or feel I'm not good at this and yeah and it's hard to get good at something you don't enjoy like exactly I mean, of course yeah. I can head off and do advanced excel and everything but you know I'll be crawling down the attic stairs <laughs> after it, you know <laughs> yeah yeah energy completely spent yeah um Gillian before we wrap things up I'd love to get your views so we talked kind of earlier about why engagement is important, the impact, uh, some of the causes that people might become disengaged and the impact that it has on the organisation. Any steps you think that organisations can put in place now with it being the great resignation, with it being a candidate's market, what can organisations do to try and re-engage their staff if they feel like they've maybe dropped the ball slightly, if some of the leaders or, you know, if, if there's a leader that's listening and they feel this is an opportunity now. I can re-engage my staff. I've noticed that there's been a drop in engagement. What What do you think they can do? Well, I think the first thing they have to understand is that everything sort of pre-pandemic has to be ripped out and thrown away. I've seen a lot of organisations to try and sort try of and operate half a hybrid. And yeah, yeah, but a hybrid in the same way they operated when they were all in the office and vice mm. versa. And hybrid's actually quite complicated, you know, and, mm, and it it's is, actually yeah, nearly yeah. easier being fully remote or fully in the office. But hybrid is an interesting, um, well, it's a challenging one for organisations. Yeah. But just understanding that everything you did in 2019 is now irrelevant and does not work and you're going to have to do a complete overhaul um, of your engagement strategy. What I would say is communication is king. Um, Absolutely imperative that, you know, leadership team are constantly communicating with their people and communicating in a purposeful way about where the business is going. The recent Gallup survey was saying that people are really, really interested in the organization as in how proud they can be of their organization. So Mm. things like what we stand for and who we are and our mission, people are really questioning that now. So really important that organizations are tying in and showing people, yes, and that it's it's authentic because we've all worked in organizations that say they're out to solve world hunger or do something. I'm not saying I don't know whose vision that is, just by the way, but I'm saying and then you're in and it's like, you know, it doesn't add up they, at all. They lied. Actually, oh, we're in. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. I've seen that, you know, there's a term catfishing and there was a, <laughs> yeah. they use the term um Oh, I can't remember exactly what they said, but it was like, yeah, it's company making all of these promises and mm-hmm. it's the equivalent of catfishing, essentially. They make yeah. all of these promises. They basically lie in yeah. the interview process, on mm. their website, mm. in mm. any of their descriptions. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, this is mm. not what they said it was going to be at no. all. So it has to be real. It has to be authentic because mm. people are in different headspace. So not only are they a little bit traumatized from the pandemic, they're also a lot more conscious, I think, because they had more time at home with their families and and family 
being not able to see, you know, a wider family made them, yeah. I suppose, just a bit more. This is what's, what's important, important in life. Yeah. yeah. So they're really, really assessing those things. So it has to be real. It has to be authentic. Don't fake it and communicate to the power of 10. And to be honest with you, and I know I work for Work Vivo now, but at the time in the pandemic, I wasn't working for Work Vivo, but it was a godsend because we're able to do that as and to communicate really regularly on the platform. And that's another thing that I think people need as in you need a platform where you can do this communication, where you yeah. can do recognition. Just kind of the informal check-ins and stuff yeah. as well. Yeah. Connect people, build community because community is really important because things like people have moved away from religion and people aren't around each other in housing estates. So the company has become very important as tribal for people. So they want to know that they're part of something. Yeah. Interestingly, that's exactly what I said yesterday is, you know, it, religion previously yeah. was where where we felt our sense of purpose, where we felt a sense of mm. community. But that's kind of that's diminished quite a lot here in Ireland. And now people are looking for that sense of community and sense of purpose elsewhere. Where mm. else better than somewhere you spend eight hours a day? You know, it's through your work and that's where you're going to get that. And if you are hybrid or you're fully remote, you're going to have to use technology to enable that for you and to bring them together, you know. So, I mean, technology is critical. There's going to have to be investments severely in people technology Mm. to bring people together, you know, to create those communities, to create that belonging and to open up communication to the employees. Open, democratized communication is key. They have to be able to say what's on their mind. They have to be able to communicate upwards. Communicating downwards now is nearly so 1990s. You know, it's like, you know, it's It's more about listening to your employees than telling. So it's coaching approach. So you're listening and you're asking the right questions and asking those powerful questions. Brilliant. I think that's a a great place to kind of to end, Gillian. Mm -hmm. And the question I ask everyone is what makes you happier at work? Um my connection with the people that I work with. I, well, actually two things. Can I say two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the relationships are really important to me, you know, and that I can be my true self around them, you know, like if a very loud laugh, I'm, you know, well, as I said, a little bit irreverent and, you know, and I need to be that. I can't contain that, you know, so that is my true self and I need to be accepted. And I love being around people that love a good laugh and, and have great crack. But yeah. also I need to believe that what I'm doing is making a difference. The older I've gotten yeah. now, I'm 45 and that's really important because I have three beautiful children. And every day that I leave them, I need to know that the work I'm doing isn't just yeah, shoveling it's important. out. It has shoveling, meaning. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's shoveling out PowerPoint or whatever. And, you know, my overall vision or I suppose my reason for being myself is to improve the workplace experience for everyone, like globally. I yeah. want to, you know, through the work that I do to try and help people because I do think people are very sad at work and I've been sad at work Mm. And I've gotten up in the morning where I'm like, how am I going to get through this day? And that makes me really sad to think that people are in that place. So Mm. trying to highlight what's not working for people, trying to, you know, socialize and make it okay to speak up and speak out about things to make things better for people. And thankfully, I work for a company that's obviously doing thing, and it's trying to improve things for people in a very authentic way. So, yeah. And that's why I set up my business to begin with, you know, was because I had those Mm. I, I, 
I wouldn't have described it as sad. I probably would have used something a little bit stronger than that, to be honest. Um, experiences, some of the experiences I had at work. Yeah. Um, and that's what prompted me on this journey going, you know, it's something I've been thinking about probably for 11 mm-hmm. or 12 years. Um, it's kind of been burning away in the background, like there has to be a different way to to do things. And that's what got me on this journey mm. now. Um, Gillian, do you want to tell people a little bit more about how to connect with you, how to find out more about the work that Work Vivo does? Um, you know, fire away there, sharing yeah. socials or website, anything like that. Yeah. So as I said, I work for Work Vivo, uh, workvivo.com, log onto the website. It's a great um, employee experience app. And, you know, it was voted, as I said, number one on G2, which we're all ferociously proud about. So have yeah, a look brilliant. and it deals with a lot of the issues. It can be your digital heart of your organization. It covers off the comms, the recognition and the belonging and all the things that organizations are struggling with. But obviously in tandem with that, you need good authentic leadership leading it and the technology will certainly enable and go a long way in helping um, leadership teams and companies and yeah we're just uh, along with work vivo and myself and we're trying to just improve the workplace experience for everybody so hopefully it's a good movement and we're all getting behind it uh, to improve things for people definitely i love absolutely love that mission thank you so much for your time today jillian it was absolute pleasure to chat with you yeah you too really good and well done and all your success as well thank you well, there you have it. That was the conversation with Gillian French from Work Vivo. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as both of us enjoyed having it. It was really, really great to connect with Gillian. Now, before I go on to summarise the key points that we discussed during our conversation, I wanted to remind you to head on over to social media, to LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien or Instagram, happieratwork.ie and connect with me there to take part in the conversation. And if you weren't aware, I do go live every week after the podcast is released on LinkedIn to discuss with the guests some of the key points to answer any questions that have come up from listeners. So if you're not following me on on LinkedIn, definitely check that out. That's something that I do on a weekly basis as well. So back to today's episode, some of the key points that were discussed is this idea of belonging and being able to be your true self at work. And to me, that's that's really what belonging means, is that you feel comfortable enough to be yourself. You feel like you fit in in the place without having to modify or mould yourself in any way. We talked about the idea of being professional versus being human and maybe what is the difference between those two things. We spoke about fit, we spoke about energy and this idea that people are precious and that we have to actually value our, our people and thinking about why they're really important. One of the things that really stood out for me during our conversation was this idea that of those people who are really highly engaged in your company, it might take only one or two things to disengage them. So they just might get annoyed for by one or two things and then suddenly they go from someone who's highly engaged to someone who's disengaged. The other thing that we spoke about in relation to people who are engaged is that those people who are the most engaged people in the organisation, they tend to be the ones that go the extra mile, but they also can be the ones who get burnt out quite quickly because they are doing a lot of work and they get worn out and and maybe prioritising working on the resilience of those people who are highly engaged in your organisation already. We spoke as well about 
taking responsibility for our own pace of work and how we get our work done. And this can be through setting boundaries as well. And I know that's a topic that I have discussed numerous times on the podcast previously. If you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes on setting boundaries, definitely go check those out. I will put a link to in the show notes of some of the previous episodes you can listen to in relation to this. We spoke about this idea of workaholism and and the fact that it's it's kind of like a badge of honour to be really busy all the time. We spoke about the impact of meetings and this is something I see time and time again and sometimes guilty of it myself as well, is booking back-to-back meetings, not having enough time to to get the actual day job done. So again, this is something that that I've covered before on the podcast. It's really important to focus on who needs to be at those meetings. Do I, you know, take personal responsibility. Do I need to be at this meeting? And managing your time, managing your workload more effectively that way. We touched on this idea of the four day week. And again, it's something I've spoken about on the podcast before. For me, I see this as absolutely the future of work, focusing more on outcome based type of work, getting more done in less time, essentially. We touched on the idea of performance management and how we need to shift our thinking more towards a people first, not a profit first organisation. And if you put your people first, the profits most certainly will follow moving towards treating people as individuals. Now, one thing I certainly or at least the organisations I worked in were not very good at when I worked in corporate was knowing each other's strengths and actually talking about them. And I think that's really, really critical, knowing what everyone is good at. We acknowledge that hybrid is challenging and it's like having an overhaul of the engagement strategy. It's something more is required in order to engage people in this new hybrid environment. Gillian shared that communication is really king in this and specifically communicating what the purpose of the organisation is. What do we stand for? We acknowledge that people are traumatised. We've come through two years of a global pandemic. We're more conscious about what's going on. We want to do things more responsibly. We know what is important and we want to foster this sense of community as well. Another thing that Gillian mentioned was about investing in technology. Now is the time to do that in order to drive engagement, in order to drive belonging at work as well. That's it for another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. Thank you so much for staying this long, for tuning in. If there's anything that you would like to talk to me about in relation to the topics that I discuss regularly on the podcast, do feel free to reach out directly to me, Aoife at happieratwork.ie and I'm always open to having a discussion. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.